Thank you. I really feel the Holy Spirit's already stirring in, in our hearts and just want to welcome everybody to our Good Friday service. We don't always do it, but this year the Holy Spirit tapped me and said, let's do Good Friday and also Easter, which is very unusual. So we're here. I'm so happy each of you have decided to join our community for this Good Friday service. So Barbara Rose, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Padre. Glad to work with you again. Love yes. your work and all that is. So being a good, you were a nun for 25 years, but also a Christian, a Catholic, and now just universal, but you've had many Good Friday services you attended. So what does this day mean to you in your own perspective? It's gone in many, many different directions. I'm remembering now what it was when I was a child and into high school. We had three hours on Good Friday where we sat in the church. Wow. And I didn't like that day. <laughs> they, they didn't like the candles. All right. They, they didn't turn the lights on. Mm. The statues were covered with purple cloths. Yeah. And they didn't even play the organ while we sang. Everything was a cappella. They made you work. <laughs> I, I didn't understand at the time, mm -hmm. but preparing for tonight, I can see how it was a foundation for choosing what Good Friday would be for me, which I will be sharing tonight. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I love that. And I had the same experience with, actually, I was there this afternoon with my Catholic church at the Good Friday service. It's very, very traditional where the, still the statues were covered in purple and no music, all those things. But it's like, I don't like it, but yet I understand the mystery behind it. Can't wait for <laughs> Sunday for Easter for the celebration. But there, it brings back good memories for me because I didn't understand it, but I recognized mystery where something was present. So to me, that was Yeshua, but... Thank you for sharing those your thought uh, your thoughts with us tonight. So, brother Craig, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Glad to be here. Glad you could be with us and joining us on this spiritual journey. So, what has been your impression of Good Friday, at least for the listeners? Because we all, I think, come from a different approach. Yeah, sure. I well, I grew up in a devout Catholic family, and I only returned to it recently. So most of my memories of Good Friday are when I'm very young. And there's a long stretch of time where we spent a lot, a lot of time going to church. And we had to give up things that we wanted for Lent. Mm -hmm. And as I was thinking, you know, as a young child, well, Jesus was crucified on Good Friday. So I remember asking my mother, it's like, well, what's so good about Good Friday? Doesn't <laughs> doesn't sound so good from Jesus' point of view, but she explained to me, well, you know, we were, uh, we were redeemed, you know, that we were welcomed back into heaven. And I'm not sure if that really satisfied me as a kid, but, you know, at least it, I kind of had knew what was going on. And it's more recently, I, I see the whole from Lent through Easter as just a, a long celebration where we prepare ourselves for that most important Christian holiday of of Easter, where uh, the resurrection, and so it's it's gotten deeper, it's gotten deeper over the years. Now, as I have a better appreciation for it, yes, and I get to become your teacher, so that's why it's easier to. <laughs> <write> it, <right? laughs> anyway, but 
everyone, I'm so happy you're with us and take what works for you tonight and things that don't just allow the Holy Spirit just to move through that for you. Because I don't want to project anything on you. But what Good Friday is for me to our presenters, we're just going to present each in our own form, a recollection or going deeper with your relationship with Yeshua. And we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to do her work. I just had a talk with a person in a phone session. And I said, well, how did you hear about me? And she goes, well, my good friend told me about you. And you have a really good church. And I go, oh, thank you. So this is church tonight, people. So it might not be with a thousand whistles, but we'll do our best to represent Christ, the Christed one, Christ consciousness for each of us. So, so Barbara Rose, would you welcome all of our guests by an opening prayer? I'd be happy to, Padre. Thank you. Christ Jesus, we gather together in this holy moment and we thank you because we know that you are here with us as you promised you would always be. With grateful hearts, we join together as one to remember your passion and death so many years ago. In the presence of our divine creator, we call upon and honor your holy mother Mary, Blessed Mary of Magdala, the beloved Apostle John, Simon of Cyrene, Veronica, and all the other faithful women, as well as all of the loyal disciples who stayed with you to the end of your earthly life. We welcome these and the communion of saints, all the holy ones, who are teaching us about loyalty to you. Come Holy Spirit, fill us with your love. Claim us as your faithful ones. We who have gathered here tonight in your presence. Clear our minds to think with the holy divine mind. Open our hearts to love with the divine sacred heart. Focus us clearly on the divine light so that tonight we can be in a place where we let go of all dogma that might block us from embracing the truth that you offer us and all judgments that could keep us from receiving the fullness of the grace that you plan to shower on each of us. Infuse us with your healing light so we can break through all of the illusions that are holding us back from receiving the fullness of love that you are offering us. Gift us with inner freedom so we can put all of our loves in order and return to the divine within our own hearts. We know you listen always to our heart's longings that only you can satisfy. Thank you for showing us how Good Friday is above all a day of love and forgiveness. Amen.
Amen. So beautiful. Thank you, Barbara Rose. Just know that our our hearts are in tune with, I believe, what this day represents for most of us, because we come from many different backgrounds. But if our heart begins to open and just expand what we already know, that would fulfill my heart's desire for each of you, just to have a touch of glimpse. Hallelujah, my living hope. That is so powerful in the word, but also in the expression, because without God in our lives, without the mediator that bridged the gap so all of us can experience that oneness of God's love for each of us. I know when I experienced that touch from heaven, it was in the springtime, actually, on a boy's retreat, but I'll never forget that day. And hopefully even tonight, one of you might expand that in your own or for the first time. Our next presenter is going to be Brother Craig, and it's going to be on, his theme is the, the seven last words on the cross of Jesus. And so we're just going to highlight those things, and hopefully it will speak to you as your own personal relationship with the divine. So Craig, would you begin to form that? Sure. I'm so pleased to be here tonight to talk about the seven last words of Jesus. Uh, the seven last words of Jesus from the cross relates to the final sentences or phrases that he spoke before he died. Each gospel differs in its description of these final hours. Some of the statements appear only in one of the gospels. Clearly, have a sense of, of wholeness. In preparing for tonight's gathering, I study these statements, and I imagine being present as an observer and follower of Jesus. I took these words personally, as if they were directed to me and also the world. I will touch on each word tonight. I'm not a scholar, but I love reading scripture. My reflections come out of my understanding of these final words. And I ask for your patience and forgiveness if I seem to wander from accepted Christian doctrine. But these are my own insights here. I will speak of three recurring themes that I see in these final words, healing, humanity, and divinity. The healing quality of the words are expressed in the city of the statements remind me of the sacrifice that Jesus made by submitting himself to this execution. And the divinity is, relates to the completion of his mission and the salvation that he offers as he offers it his spirit to his father. The first word is, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It's from Luke, and this is a healing word. It is spoke just as Jesus is being crucified between the two criminals. The disciples have fled. Mary and a few followers are present, and the insults on him, and the Roman soldiers are mocking him. But here Jesus is offering a healing blessing as he appears to be absolving those who are abusing him. When I contemplated this word, I wondered, who is Jesus forgiving? Who is the them? The crucifixion is part of God's plan to open the gates of heaven for mankind. So the treacherous priests and jeering soldiers are only doing God's work. So why do they need to be forgiven? And there are a few ways of Looking at this, first, the actions of ignorance of Jesus 
significance as the Son of God and Savior. If they were aware of the true offense, they, it would be difficult to imagine forgiving them, but paradoxically, they were ignorant, so their ignorance saved them rather than their wisdom. The second way that I view this word is to see how it relates to me and to us now. It's easy to say, well, yeah, they, it was them. They need to be forgiven. But then when I look at my own life, I find that the scripture is relevant to me because I have much in common with the ignorant mob because I become complacent and distracted in my spiritual practice and sometimes fall into ignorance. So when I recognize this, I yearn for the Lord's forgiveness so I can identify with this, with this word. The second word is, I tell you the truth today, you will be with me in paradise. This is from Luke, and it's also a here. The two criminals is well known to people who are familiar with the Gospels. One criminal derides Jesus, and the other criminal displays his faith in God. And Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responds by saying, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. So the so-called good thief had never seen Jesus before, yet he makes this heartfelt profession of faith. And several of these words that you will hear tonight are foreshadowed in earlier scripture, both in the Hebrew Testament and the New Testament. In this case, you see the words of Isaiah that Jesus spoke during the beginning of ministry. And that quote is from Isaiah, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom from the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So by promising paradise to this criminal, Jesus is fulfilling his promise and this scripture. I see this word also as a hopeful message that faith and love of God can restore us. In any dark moment, we can turn to God and, and ask for a healing. Can you imagine yourself in the midst of this criminal, recalling past actions that you feel might keep you from God's presence? The criminal only asked to be remembered, generously offered an afterlife of divine communion. This is the third word. Dear woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. It's another word of healing. It's from John, and I will read the scripture that this is taken from. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple who he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. So here we see Jesus suffering on the cross, looking down and still being concerned about the earth. Here he is reaching out as a healer to his mother. You might think that from just a, a quick reading of this passage that Jesus is just taking care of a bit of housekeeping, making sure that his mother is taken care of. But there are other ways of looking. It's an act of very compassionate healing that Jesus is wishing to bind the wounds that Mary is suffering, watching him be crucified. He's at his most vulnerable, yet he extends compassion to her and to the disciple. But also, I see this almost as a second annunciation, where when Mary 
experienced her first annunciation from the angel Gabriel. He expressed to her that she would be giving birth to a child. Now we see at this point Jesus is giving her another son where she will continue to serve as a mother to this beloved disciple. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From Matthew. And this we see as a word of humanity. Within the Catholic tradition, Jesus is believed to be both fully human and fully divine. And in these two words, in this word and the next word, we see the depth of his suffering that he endured on the cross. This phrase is actually taken from a psalm in the Hebrew Bible, which begins, My God, my God, why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? And then later in the psalm, King David continues by describing his adversity. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and feet. Here you see the crucifixion being foreshadowed in the words of David. They pierce my hands. Christ's mission, this psalm ends with the glorification of the divine. David continues, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. So with this phrase, he has done it, we'll see that reflected later in one of the words. But what we see here is even beginning with adversity, we end with enduring hope. Just like in Jesus's anguish of separation, he feels this. And it provides a, a relatable image for us that we can suffer in moments, that we, when we feel separated from God, Jesus also experienced that. It's the word five, I thirst. This is from John, and it expresses the humanity of Jesus. It's something that each of us can relate to as deep thirst on a human level. Uh, we're not focused on the divine nature of, of Jesus, but he's also capable as a man to suffer. He suffer things like thirst deeply. But I, I sense another meaning in this phrase. In some translations of the New Testament, the word is translated as, I am thirsty. But in the King James Version, which I prefer, at least in this case, is a translated set simply as I thirst. And what that conveys to me is a state of being. Jesus is not just thirsty. His very essence is thirst. It's a deep longing in this moment. It's a love for his father. He is on the edge of divine union, but he is raw with love. And we can ache with the same thirst. We can, which leads us to a deep devotion. The word six, it is finished. With this word, Jesus fulfills his divine purpose. The passage is from John. I'll read it now. A jar of, of wine vinegar was there. So they spoked a sponge, soaked a sponge in it put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, he said, it is finished. With that, he bowed and gave up his spirit. Jesus knew he was suffering the crucifixion for a purpose. Christ's human life was over. He fi finished the task of redeeming the wor world 
and his final act of obedience is now complete. The scriptures have been fulfilled. But the word asks me, makes me ask, what's next? Jesus' work is finished. The gates of heaven are open. But I think the next step and the next steps are for us. We have the opportunity to serve as God's presence on earth. As we see in the Gospels, almost all of Jesus' followers ran off. So I picture this moment as Jesus passing the baton to us. Jesus is finished, but we can continue to ripen doing our Father's work. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit from Luke. This is also a sign of, of Jesus' divine aspect. We see Jesus in, in this divine aspect as he surrenders completely to God. Unlike the fourth word, when his voice, when, his, when he voices a sense of separation from, from God, now in the process of perfect union with the Father, I'll, I'll read the gospel passage. It's from Luke. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Have you ever had a time in prayer or song or on a retreat? when you felt such surrender to the divine. Take a moment to recall this moment of surrender, then imagine the immense sacrifice that Jesus offered as he spoke this word. Our experience might not have been, has been as, as intense as Jesus when he directs, directly places his spirit in the hands of God. But within our heart, I'm sure we feel a small measure of surrender. So again, we hear a, an echo from the Hebrew scripture. The word here is taken from Psalm 31. Since you are my rock and fortress, for the sake of your name, lead it and guide me. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me. Lord, my faithful God. So I invite you all to, in your own time, if you feel moved, to contemplate these words and see what they mean to you. It really delighted me to see, in particular, how there was echoing from the Hebrew Testament into these last words and also from other parts of the Gospels. And especially the Psalms in Matthew, we see that Christ can trace his lineage back to King David. And to see, to see that realized. Thank you. Wow. That's so powerful, Craig. I'm feeling what you're feeling. Your suggestion about pausing and reflecting on these words. You had an intimate relationship with Christ let's say on and off, and now it just has deepened and grown over the years through the nurturing of celebrating life. 
and the Holy Spirit and your angels and guides. But yet Jesus came to show us what love is all about. And even with the, you mentioned Craig about <laughs> the disciples left once he went on his journey to the cross. And I think all of us can relate to that in some way when we needed a person, a community, whatever, and they weren't there. And for whatever reason, it could be the dark night of the soul. We have to lean into, and to me, this is what Good Friday is for me personally, is I go deeper into that. Even in my church services this afternoon, I was crying. I was remembering again. It just takes one word, one thought, and all of a sudden, my world opens and I get to hear the voice of the Spirit speaking. And I'm God's beloved son or beloved daughter. We all have that relationship. I want to take you, thank you so much, Craig, because that was very powerful. Your, your presentation and your spirit. I'm going to ask you the, whether you have a, a picture of Jesus, Yeshua, a candle, something that just represents beauty to you in a sense. I just want you to go deeper into what Craig has says about the words of Christ. And or I can also present a word or a, a question that you might ponder is, has there ever been a time when you needed Jesus? Maybe it was to be healed. Maybe it was to get a job. Maybe it was to get a relationship. And then the other part of that is, did you ever develop a relationship with the Christed one? It's like, I want to go to dad because I need something. But then when he's not around or you're not around when you don't need him, then we're off doing our own thing. And I think in our relationship with Christ or each other, we do both. When I have a need, I go for it. When I don't, I can just sit back and just be. But yet the Christ consciousness really desires us to go deeper in this. And because of, I call it Good Friday, at least for the Christian, this is one day that we can actually enter into that mystery and grow. I want you just to contemplate that or the picture of Jesus, the cross, whatever it might be, and just listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say about Jesus to you. So in that experience of Taizé, it's a non-denominational community in France, my, my padre, padre Juan, and I, we visited that community and sat among those monks and general public. And you just sat and you just listened. It was in the quietness. And pretty much that's kind of the, our MO or how we created the, our own monks in our community is based on the Taize. You feel the heart. You feel the love of God. You feel one another in unity. And to me, this is what Good Friday is all about, is my relationship, your relationship with the divine, with God, but also my brothers, my sisters. So it's in that quiet time when we actually do get to hear that still small voice, where we missed the mark, but also where we entered into the mystery. And that's my prayer for each of you that has been preparing for this event, but also for tonight for the Holy Spirit to touch your heart.
in a special way. So as we continue on, I'd like to introduce you to Reverend Barbara Rose, also one of our monks in celebrating life. Barbara Rose. Thank you, Padre. I will start with a little confession. I struggled with preparing for this and I've had many different versions. And each time I let go a little more and a little more and a little more. And truly, I'm not even sure which version is going to come up, what order it's going to be, because it's all been very divinely inspired. This morning I had all over the table, books and notes and binders and my Bible. I just was standing looking at it thinking, I have so much, I always overdo, what can I do? And I heard my cell phone do a ding. I thought, oh, that's a good distraction. So I picked it up and Bishop Bobby sent me a picture as he often does to his friends. And it was Saint Metatron, Archangel Metatron. Now that Archangel has come to me many times by other people. And I always say, I don't really know that angel. So when I got Bobby's picture, I thought I have to find out who this angel is my distraction, and I typed it in, and what came up was a description that this is an angel that's not in scripture. That's why I never heard of him. He's part of the Kabbalah tradition, and the words underneath said, balance and focus, and I knew that was for me, and I said, okay, Metatron, you are my assistant now. You're going to help me with all these papers, all these notes, all my journals, books, and we are going to put something together. So this is a public announcement that I am going to listen to the Holy Spirit as this goes on. And Metatron is right here with all of us. This is the first place I went when I found out I was talking on Good Friday because I remembered when I was in the convent, I struggled with Jesus on the cross. I just couldn't believe that a loving God would crucify a man for my sins and that the man would accept it. Was, I, I just couldn't believe that. And I found this cross, the one on the left. It's a painting by Salvador Dali. It's from the view of the heavenly father looking down upon his son dying. There are no nails, there's no blood, there's no crown of thorns, because this artist had two dreams. And in his dreams, he was told that this represents the Christed one. I have some notes here, I'm gonna read this. He said, in 1950, I had a cosmic dream in which I saw this image in color and which my dream represented the nucleus of the atom. This is after the Second World War. This nucleus later took on a metaphysical sense. I considered it the very unity of the universe, the Christ. I had this, a picture of this in my Bible, and I used it every Lent. And this was my Lenten crucifix. I researched it, I didn't have a picture. So I Googled it 
and found a picture and they called it the cross of St. John of the Cross by Salvador Dali. And I thought, well, I didn't know it was a cross by Salvador Dali from John of the Cross. So then I did some more research. And this little picture on the right, I'm saying little, again, I have notes on this. St. John of the Cross had a mystical vision and painted this picture. He actually sketched it on, on a piece of cloth. It's two and a quarter inches by one and not uh, 1.9 inches. He was the confessor for Teresa of Avila's nuns in the 16th century. And he had a vision so similar to Salvador Dali's. And his was the father looking down on the son at the moment he said, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Fast forward to one of my trips to Brazil, which were always during Lent. The spring ones were during Lent, not the fall ones. And Jesus came to me in a meditation. And I had the image in my mind of this mystical cross from Salvador Dali, because it got embedded me from so many years of praying with it. And Jesus said it was really about, all about love and doing what his father asked him to do. He showed me the wounds and said it wasn't about the pain. It was about the willingness to do what he was asked to do. And I remembered that vision that I had during my meditation as I prepared for this. And I let go of my resistance and I thought, I will do this. I will explain my struggles and my delight and my joy with the crucified Christ. So this is a crucifix when the body is on it. These are crosses. And throughout my childhood, I didn't like looking at the crucified Jesus, which was behind every altar in every church I ever went into. But almost every church had a picture of a cross. And so I started moving into the area of, oh, I can claim the resurrection where there is no body. I like the cross. And I especially like it when it can come through colorful windows. Now, this following that I'm going to share came to me this morning. And it really answered a lot of my angst, my resistance, my misunderstanding. Because I was shown not that the cross or the crucifix was the image of complete failure, as a lot of people see it. Jesus had lived his life in such a way that all of the prophecies of the Messiah, Messiah were lived in his life. He had a following of a lot of people. They put all their hope in him. And then all of a sudden, he was treated like a criminal. He was punished, beaten, carried his cross, nailed on a cross. Some of them stayed faithful as I prayed in the beginning. A lot of the women were there. A lot of the apostles were so scared they ran away and hid. 
So the meaning of the cross that came to me this morning was that it represents the horizontal and the vertical journey through life that each one of us has. As Craig said, Jesus is fully human and fully divine. So the horizontal bar of the cross can be seen as a timeline, a day-to-day moving through life, knowing that it's not going to fulfill every dream, every desire, especially the deep ones that we want. And knowing that at some point it's going to end. It's like we fall off the cliff and it's over. So then the vertical. What is the vertical? Well, let's look at the apostles again. They were scared when Jesus died. That's why they hid. Their leader was gone. Jesus was not gone. Jesus went vertically to the depths of reality. He also went to the heights of the heavens. He dove into the experience that made him become fully alive, that prepared him for his resurrection. And he did this to show us that we don't need to get stuck on the horizontal of this life. We are invited to choose the vertical plane as Jesus did. And we don't have to wait till death to do it. And that's what our CLM community is all about. Good Friday reminds us that we have a choice many times during our lives to choose the vertical plane, to dive deep, to choose love. This cross represents the horizontal and the vertical in each of our lives as we go day to day in the moment to moment life. We know now that we can also choose the vertical. So just look at this cross for a moment. The light is the violet light of Lent. And make a decision to explore more fully the vertical and horizontal in your life. I'd like you to look at the picture on the right. This is a picture in the Mother House of the Sisters of Mercy. It's actually on a walkway that goes to the high school. So for my four years in high school, I passed this shrine of the crucifixion, Mary on the left, Mary Magdalene in the middle at Jesus' feet, and the beloved John the Baptist. And I had a personal relationship with the three of them and with Jesus. I didn't really understand it, but as I passed on my way up the hill to go to school and down the hill to take my bus home, I did a little bow or stopped for a little prayer. I acknowledged that. If you look at the path that goes, well, the camera's on the path. So behind this scene is the mother house of the Sisters of Mercy, which I entered right out of high school. And outside the window of my office in that mother house was a large oak tree that had fallen over And it was the most beautiful piece of art. It was a natural, formed a natural bench and beautiful parts that were still alive 
and had grown straight up out of the fallen trunk and some that had died. This always represented the death of Jesus to me. There was something about that tree. And every Good Friday, I would sit on that tree with my Bible and read from the end of St. John's Gospel, chapter 14 to 17, and really commune with Jesus through the words of John. One of the gifts of being in the convent all those years was having many, many retreats. St. Ignatius left us with the 30-day retreats, spiritual exercises. And I had three 30-day retreats, which is really unheard of. But it just happened they were part of program I was in or preparing for something. And the gift of the 30-day retreats called the spiritual exercises in week three, the exercises focus on the crucified Jesus. And we were directed to converse with Jesus. Ask Jesus what it was like. As you read the passage, learn it from his perspective. And this is when I began my mystical life. Jesus has always been with me from that time of really communing with him. You just heard about the Taise cross in France. It's a whole community in France. In the mid-80s, a group of the brothers came to the mother house, this mother house, and used our house as a stepping stone to bring the Taise songs and rituals to the United States. They stayed a long time. Sister Suzanne and a couple of the other sisters created a whole ritual. You saw when they put their heads down on the cross, and I love the crosses because there are candles all around. But the, putting the forehead, the third eye on the cross, was to release all of the thoughts, all of the negativity, everything that stood in the way of your union with the divine. Lay down your burdens. The sisters still on the first Friday of every month have a Taise service. It has spread all over the Bay Area and other places across the country. This is a wonderful way to pray. And right now it's on Zoom or online. You can just Google Mercy Center Burlingame and join a Taise prayer. Jesus showed me. I said, I don't like the cross. I don't like the cross. He said, you have to talk about the cross. You have to talk about the cross and the crucifix. And then he said, you've got some. Pull them out. So these three are the ones that I pulled out. I'll start with the one on the right. This was the cross that hung from the rosary beads that I had when I was a Sister of Mercy. I loved it because it didn't have a body. It had the black and the white, the union of dark and light. This was my Jesus. This was my Christ. The one in the middle is from the Kamaldolese monks at Big Sur. I was in a house of prayer for the sisters one summer, and we went down to Big Sur as part of our prayer. And I found this cross. It's based on, if you look at the left, the little small cross of San Damiano, which is the Franciscan cross. Feel the energy and be blessed by these crucifixes and crosses. So this came yesterday and Julian was here helping me. Well, actually he did it online. He helped me create a slide from it. My last prayer with my Sisters of Mercy was a community convocation 
And I was part of the liturgy team. And we did a prayer that was based on this word, Hanini. And it simply means, here I am. And we added, here I am as I am. We were at a point where we were making decisions about joining all the other Sisters of Mercy in the United States, and we needed answers. And we heard God call us to just be ourselves. When I looked it up, it came from these two Hebrew words, meaning, behold, I am at your service, Lord. And this is the word throughout all of the scriptures, the Old Testament, where God would call Moses, Elijah, the prophets. And his question was, Moses, where are you? And that's the question he asks us all the time. We sing it. Here I am, Lord. It is I, Lord. That's the Hanini. So however you are called to pray on this Good Friday, let it be from a place of, I am here, Lord. Show me what you would like. And see Jesus saying that word on the cross. I am here, Father. I am here. Do with me as you please. San Damiano cross, the cross of St. Francis. Beautiful cross with melted crayons and an Eastern Orthodox cross. Actually, I'm saying that the right and the left are crucifixes. The one in the middle is a cross. Richard Rohr, a current Franciscan theologian, says that the cross represents the absolute freedom and love of God. He says, through the cross, Christ saved us by loving us, not by excluding or punishing us. And through the cross, we are reminded that everyone and everything is one in the creator. He has a beautiful book on the universal Christ, which you might like to pick up sometime. In it, he has a prayer. I have just a few lines from the prayer. He says, Listen to the crucified Christ Jesus. I am what you are most afraid of. I am your deepest, most wounded and naked self. I am what you do to what you could love. I am your deepest goodness and your deepest beauty, which you deny and disfigure. Your only badness consists in what you do to goodness, your own and anyone else's. Embrace it all in me. I am yourself. I am all of creation. I am everybody and I am everything. And Richard Rohr writes a long response, his personal response to the crucified Jesus. I'm just going to read a couple of lines and then you can give your own response. Brother Jesus, you are my life, which I deny. You are my death, which I fear. I embrace you. I embrace life and death in you. You are my outrageously ignored and neglected soul. You are what we do to one another. You are what we do to ourselves. 
I thank you, Brother Jesus, for becoming a human being and walking the full journey with me. I thank you for being all of the things that humanity despises and fears so I can fully accept myself and everybody else in and through you. Thank you, Christ Jesus, my crucified brother. You and I, we are the same. And we end remembering that this is all about love and all about forgiveness. It's all about forgiveness. What a beautiful journey you just took us through, Barbara Rose. You know, your history besides your relationship with Christ. And then turn it right around like Moses. Where are you? I'm here. I believe that's the question even for tonight as you presented to each of us. Where are you? Where are you in your relationship with Christ? Where are you with your, your husband, your wife, your children, your neighbors, your workplace in the world? These are all questions that can be answered. I call it in silence. And to me, the cross is a beautiful representation about going outward with family, friends, but also then going up or linear with our relationship with Christ. And in this Good Friday service, to me, that's the, the invitation. And as we ponder those beautiful jewels that both Craig and Barbara Rose presented tonight, if we ponder them, if we allow that grace to manifest in our prayers, in our closing prayers, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for the world. We're going to pray for a grounding that each of us can have a, a deeper connection with this divine presence. Whether you like Jesus on the cross or off the cross, we're going to be celebrating in two days the resurrection, Easter Sunday. And I invite everybody to check that out also because it will, um, from this platform to the next, there will be this bridge that you'll understand and celebrate with us. So as we conclude tonight, I'm going to ask Barbara Rose first to offer a prayer for the community and for you individually, and then Brother Craig, and then myself. So Sister Barbara Rose, would you please lead us in prayer? Jesus, as we look at this candle, we know that you never die, and we will never die. We choose the light. We say, yes, Lord, here I am. Thank you for supporting me to live vertically with my brothers and sisters in this community. As together, we awaken and transform into that light. Restore the inherent dignity in all of us, in all of life. Refresh and heal all who are suffering from the pain of sickness or disease of body, mind, emotions, or spirit. Reveal your loving presence and bless all of those suffering from the abuse of power or victimhood. Release all who feel burdened by scarcity, poverty, inferiority, or suspicion. Thank you for revealing yourself as the source of healing light that we all 
long for. Send it to each and every one here, all in our hearts, all on our planet, all life, all of Mother Earth. We pray that your divine light will shine so brightly in us that others will be drawn into your heart and more and more everyone every day will come to know how loved they are. And that love is all that matters. Amen. Wow, were those precious prayers, my friend. I don't think Craig and I have any more prayers after yours. <laughs> we covered it all, my friend. But Craig, would you also offer prayers for our community? Sure. Dear Father, Mother, Creator, we have gathered on this Good Friday in gratitude for the gifts you have made available to us. Not because we are perfect or deserving, but because you love us completely. You offer us constant healing and spiritual nurturing. You have opened up the gates of heaven for us. May we stand by those gates throughout our lives and beckon all beings into your light. We sense your presence around us and in our hearts. We long to be consumed by that presence until it is all we know. Amen. Amen. So beautiful. Are you feeling the heartfelt love of the creator just embracing each of us in these prayers for you, for ourselves? There's a depth here that only the creator, the universe, Holy Spirit, light beings, can um, for us each for us, for us to each encounter you know my prayer is just that embrace of the divine jesus came to sh show us and represent what the father's love is to humanity jesus said send me and then he told his disciples you go forth now and be that light to one another. So allow that light to be transformed by the renewing of our hearts. So let that divine embrace right now, come Holy Spirit, set afire our hearts once again. Let it burn with passion, with healing, reconciliation, any blocks we have to God or to my neighbors as to myself, allow your grace now, Holy Spirit, to burn like a fire, to cleanse. Even when we end this Zoom, your presence will linger. And as each of us will participate in the rest, the sleep tonight, your presence will hover and it will open up opportunities that what we lack, God will fulfill in our lives. I thank you, O Lord, our God, for healing of cancer. I thank you, God, for healing of the coronavirus. I thank you, God, for the healing of high blood pressure. 
I thank you, O Lord, our God, for the throat. Many of you are suffering from, whether it's sinuses, there's just congestion, even congestion, heart failure. And for those who are having surgery, last week, this week, next week, we just allow now the angels to already prepare the way for these successful surgeries. I thank you, O Lord, our God, for our Blessed Mother's intersection on each of us, for our lives, for our health, for our healings. I thank you, O Lord, our God, for the saints and sages who cover us with their love, who help us to enter into the mystery, but also then that resurrection power that is within each of us that comes forth like a fountain, like living waters, begin to spew, begin to water, begin to refresh each of us. Baptize us in your love, O Lord. Just baptize us in your love. I thank you, O Lord, our God, for the peace that passes all understanding tonight. It is by your love, O Lord, that we receive the healing that's most needed in our families, in our homes, in our bodies. And I seal in the good work of the Holy Spirit in each of your lives, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So be it. Namaste. We'll see you on life's journey once again. God bless you. Happy Good Friday, everyone. Thank you, Barbara Rose. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Catherine. Our team, our tech team, y'all been fantastic tonight. So God bless you all. Be well. Thanks for joining us.